if we have to be really critical about the word and what it means, you can't really put yourself in people's shoes. So to give you more context, what does it really mean to design a product for someone living in West Africa, say, or what does it really mean to design a product for someone living up north in Canada where I am? It would take you, um, so let's say, in anthropology, we have um, ethnographic research where you go spend time and live in the environment for the people you're designing for. So you understand, I guess, this is where we use the word empathy. You can empathize. You can understand what these people are going through. Welcome to the Design League podcast. This podcast aims to inspire designers with shared experiences by other great designers. This will help you create great design projects and even build a good digital product. In this episode, we'll share more insights on how to build a successful digital product. Our role is to imagine products that don't exist and guide them to life. This quote is by an Apple designer called Christopher Stringer. Joe and Benjamin are experienced product designers who have built great digital products across Africa and America. In the episode, they are both going to share their experiences on processes and techniques they use, setbacks they normally encounter along the way, and most importantly, how they were able to resolve these problems. Hi guys, welcome to Design League. Welcome to another episode of Design League. And then today we have um, great people here. We have Joseph and then um, we have Ben. So Joseph is currently in Canada and then we have Ben in Ghana. So today we we are still going to talk about how to build how to build digital products. And then um, basically these people are from different, what do you call it, countries. So they are going to, they are going to share their experiences with us and also learn a lot and obviously learn learn from these guys i've known joseph um i used to work with joseph way back and then he left nigeria to canada and then ben is ben is a brother i just met i mean like recently and then he has worked with a lot of what you call it tech companies in ghana so um I'm going to start with Joe. Joe. Hey guys. Yeah. So, um, since, since you have kind of experienced, um, the African environment, I mean, the African terrain and also obviously the American terrain, could you kind of give us a few, um, no wait, could you kind of just, I mean, like introduce yourself like in a brief and then for, for like our listeners to know who they are really listening to. So, um, just like a short one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I work with a SaaS company. We sell software as a service. So small and uh, to small businesses and then um, enterprise companies in the U.S. Um, I currently work with them as a product designer, specifically 
in the domain of um, interaction design. So we try to bridge the gap between how people interact with products and help them build their businesses by getting them online. So. Mm. Okay, that's great. So um, I'm just going to ask you a quick one. So <clears throat> since your experience with these, with these um, two continents, which is Africa and America, Mm-hmm. When it comes to when it comes to like product design, what 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 things um can you kind of describe um a few things like if you want, if let's say someone wants to build like a digital product, right? The kind of mm-hmm. things they need to look at, and then I mean obviously consider. Sure, I think it really doesn't. Well, of course. Your geography plays a huge part in product market fit, how quickly your product can scale. But then I guess the process is still the same. It's universal. It just has to be tailored depending on what audience you're you're, um, fulfilling or trying to serve. Mm -hmm. So um when back when we both were in ring and we used to work there (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's a lot more difficult for you designing a product for people who live in western africa because how they perceive or their willingness to accept the products might be a little bit different from um, when designing for people in north america so i'll say one of the things consider early on is when you're thinking about product market fit it's trying to understand the mental models of how people um, perceive Mm. digital products in this case so do they even understand what you mean by when you say products or digital products in the first place Mm. so yeah i think that's um like your first steps trying to understand what your audience or what language they use when you're trying to build a product yeah, and I think um, I think uh, comparing the two continents, it won't be that difficult for you to get people to know what that means in where in America. I mean, like in that continent compared to Africa. So I'm going to um, I'm going to move it to Ben. So uh, Ben, can you please give us um, a small like brief about yourself and then your experiences? Okay. Um... Hi guys, and yes. hello to all your listeners. Yeah. Um, yeah, my name is Benjamin. Um, a user experience designer. Mm-hmm. I have seven plus um, years of experience with um, designing digital products. Mm-hmm. Um, currently transitioning into product management. Um, not that I'm completely leaving design, but um, it's the next step for me to add on new things to my skill and product management is how I decided to go. Um, I currently work with PharmaLine. Um, mm. um, used to work with Haptel. Um, currently working with PharmaLine to um, kind of just create lasting profit for farmers everywhere. And what that means is we are coming up with digital solutions that um, organizations can use to enhance the life of some of these farmers. Um, and also um, um, give access, if I should say, open the market for them to make more money. 
um, and and live much um, better lives if if that's a better use of like just yeah yeah have have a, mm-hmm. an improved lifestyle yeah kind of yeah because yeah because these are people in rural areas that um, are difficult to reach and I guess it's the most challenging place to 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 take up using technology because these are people who don't even know anything about yeah so um it's been really challenging but back to the question you asked of um mm-hmm. what what we need to, to to do when we want to build digital product i think in my experience um i would say maybe to understand your, the problem you are trying to solve mm-hmm. um and then the second thing would also be to understand the users that you're trying to solve the problem for um, these two things go hand in hand. Uh, most of the time, people just understand the problem and they know there's this problem they want to fix, but they don't really understand, try to understand the users that they are trying to fix the problem for. And sometimes too, people spend time just focusing on the users and they leave the problem. So I think they go hand in hand, in my opinion. And mm. once you're able to consider these two things, it should be easy enough, not easy, but it should be straightforward enough for you to um, do some validations on assumptions that you've made um, um, on whatever problem you are trying to fix and then um, going out there to immerse yourself in an environment where you feel like this solution would be used and just trying to find out how people um, would, would use that kind of um, um, solution. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, yeah. that's great. I mean, it's, um, it's something that I, I, I mean, I, I, do, I do myself. So I, I was listening to some um, a talk show, I think like two days ago, and then the guy was where they, they were talking about empathy and all, and then all of that. And, I, and then I know that we need empathy to, to know our users, you know, to be very, very, to put ourselves in our users' shoes and stuff like that. And then the guy mentioned exactly. something which I really kind of, I was re- like, I, like it never came to mind. What he said was that if we want to use empathy as a tool to get to know like our users, what we really need to do first is consider your, your coworkers, you know, the people that you work with. Do you apply the same tool to get to know them? You know, exactly. And, exactly. And it's like it was it, it was something I've, that has never kind of, you know, like it, I, I, I mean, I had not what you call it. I mean, thoughts about it at all. So, Joe, um, I'm going to ask you this question. I'm sure that I mean, unlike Ben, um, we we um, you are going to have like a like a um a smooth ride when it comes to let's i mean getting to know users and also which also leads lead to you building an effective product for your user right can you i mean can you just highlight like um few of the challenges that you've you've kind of faced doing this um what do you call it process yeah sure um so very First, I'd like to say a very good point being made about understanding what problem you're trying to solve and also trying to understand your audience. So I know in the tech space, we use the word empathy a lot as a tool or as a process to understand users. Mm -hmm. To be honest, it's 
if we have to be really critical about the word and what it means, you can't really put yourself in people's shoes. So to give you more context, what does it really mean to design a product for someone living in West Africa, say, or what does it really mean to design a product for someone living up north in Canada where I am? It would take you, um, so let's say an, in anthropology, we have um, ethnographic research where you go spend time and leave in the environment for the people you're designing for. So you understand, I guess this is where we use the word empathy. You can empathize. You can understand what these people are going through. Mm. So in some instances, even when you've, you think you've understood your users, you find that there's still a lot of assumptions you make mm. because everything is based on context, right? So a person will spend four months in a place and you can see certain behaviors. You can see how people interact with your product if you're actually going with one for people to use or you're just going to strictly observe. And then you build certain assumptions and you also ask questions and interact. There's certain information people still hide from you or certain things they don't tell you that you see or you observe on your own. And then keep that in contract with someone who has lived in the community for a year. So you find that there are certain data and information you're not privy or able to glean on. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great. I mean, um, so Ben, right, um, you, you mentioned yeah. earlier that you currently work, work with Farmland, right, in, in Ghana. Mm-hmm. And you you build you guys build like digital products to kind of enhance these farmers these farmers work and and what you call it um, to make their life easier right what was what has been the main um, let's say obstacle that you guys have have ever really faced or you can I mean if it's one or two that you can actually share right um. I mean, I would answer that question, but just to go back to what Joseph was saying before he ended yeah. um, on empathy, I feel like sometimes um, he, like the point he made out really great. And mm-hmm. for anybody listening to this conversation, maybe you might think that is something on a checklist that you just, okay, empathy, you just check it off. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's an exercise that you get better at over time, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not something that you just do once and you say, okay, I empathize. This is how people are going to use this stuff and that is it. Um, it's a continuous process. And because you can't spend all the time immersed in, even with ethnographic um, 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 kind of research, just like in, in, the, in the area of the people you are trying to study, mm. um, it's something you constantly go back and, and test your assumptions as and when you have things to test it. So you, you empathize, you went, you did some things, you came back, you did a, an iteration, you go back, you test it, you keep coming back till you get better at it. So I just wanted to put that out there. So that's... People know that there's, there's always... Exactly. Um, there's always, it's not like, it's not like, it's not that straightforward. You know, it's not it, one, a one-time thing you're doing. You yeah. just say, okay, I'm done and that is it. Okay, so yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And then um, the challenges. Um, working with people in deprived areas 
have um, um they have various challenges i mean obviously there's the technical technology side and then there are like things like um resources right mm-hmm. um things like access to good roads to certain areas um language barrier um um, um cost you know um mm-hmm. these are people who are like i mean they are not rich rich but they are not also like poor poor mm-hmm. so in whatever um, um, and pricing you're doing, you need to consider some of the services, you know, if not all the time having to do something free for, for, for them. Um, then on the technology side, you have issues like um, internet connectivity where you have rural areas where you, would, you wouldn't even get like one cell phone reception, not to talk of getting internet access to be able to load anything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you would have to spend a lot of time trying to come up with a lot of offline um, um, solutions so that um, some of your apps would work off the grid. And maybe if you have agents on the field and they come back, they just sync the data. Once they connect to the internet, they can sync into the cloud. Um, I think one of my major things I've learned working with these people is you don't make any assumptions. Um, you, even, even when you've um, tested certain hypotheses and assumptions and you are sure that, oh, if I put this solution, if I, let's say it's a common USSD shortcode, if I make a farmer dial this shortcode and it's even in their language and the options are, that lim- are not that long, mm-hmm. they'll be able to answer it. I never make any assumptions because most of the time I've made assumptions that I was certain of 100% of I've been mm-hmm. proven wrong because they've done exactly the opposite. So mm. their behaviors keep changing and it's a continuous learning process, you know? Uh, so you have to always go back and test and make sure whatever you are doing fit to, to the need or the solution you are trying to bring up to them. Um, the other thing would be the education. So in addition to the technology, we've added, um, Farmerline does a great job at like educating the farmers. There are lots of workshops that, um, they're always organizing to make sure they bring the farmers um, up to speed with um, things that they need to know so that it's not like a, a, a blanket kind of solution where we just go and say, oh, everybody just use this. But um, it's targeted and it's purposeful. And at the end of the day, there's value being created. Mm, 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 that's, yeah. I mean, it's obviously, I mean, we, we, it's, um, in, in, it's something that actually needs to be done because considering that, that kind of environment and in even that industry, just, there's a whole lot of work which actually needs to be done for people to understand whatever that they are, they are doing and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And then, and, then, and then I'm guessing that you guys go on to explain the, I mean, the, uh, what do you call it, ROI to them too? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So Joe, mm-hmm. yeah, you want to say Sorry. something? To, to ask, more like to clarify what you meant by we gone to um, explain the um, ROI return on investment. Yes, yeah. yes, return on investment. <clears throat> so to add to what Ben said, um, yeah. I think one challenge we usually see, which is very common with most people we um, try to speak with just to better understand where they have um, two friction points using our products. We find there's this, um, call it a behavioral pattern or always culture or a mindset. Mm. 
technology has advanced so much that it's going at a really fast pace and design is trying to catch up but people are still stuck on a particular way of thinking so how you could categorize this that maybe um, um, is a at what um, level of education have people been able to understand certain things or is this specific to older people or a younger demograph in, in which case we're talking about generation z or all that but then it's mostly people are very resistant to change or willing to adopt technology as quickly as we would think as by how much we've evolved so yeah, just wanted to add that to Ben's um, contribution. Yeah, that's um, that's really insightful. I mean, um, I mean, uh, I I just wanted to like put it out there that you know, I mean, all these things that we are actually talking about are these are experiences that we all you know kind of go through day by day, right? And then it's it's not. I wouldn't say that I would, like I wouldn't say that it's just like a, an easy ride, but you, you just need to have patience and also have the right set of team that you're actually working with, you know. So these are and then some people um, some people also use other what you call it empathy techniques as you know um, they kind of use um, some people record what you call it conversations, some people even go. I mean, go on to even take videos of, you know, of what you call it, um, I mean, interviews that actually happen between them and then, and then the users. You know, some people take pictures and then they, they move it all to their whiteboard and then ideate, brainstorm, and then come out with what you call it, a proper solution for these, um, for these users, right? So, um, um, I asked this question. I mean, last week on, and then um, in this, in this, in this, in this environment that we are in, we've we've always battled with um, companies want. I mean, wanting to use, let's say, like processes. I say this because I mean, they think process is always like a long ride for them. They think it's like it will just waste their time, and then stuff like that. And then in this, in this, I mean, like um, let's say continent as in Africa, or even some of the experiences that, that I've had, most most people tend to go to straight jump jump from jump from what do you call it, the problem straight to the prototype. And I, I mean as as like product designers here, right? How do you how do you kind of how how are you able to convince let's say a team leader or let's say like a business owner that if we follow all these processes, we can be able to kind of achieve it, right? Some people have this habit of just lifting an idea of maybe something they saw online or let's say, for example, triple or stuff like that. And then without, with, with no knowledge in, I mean, what do you call it, the users that they are even doing it for? What they always say is that, oh, it has worked for this person. So it will, it will also work for this, you know, specific people. So how do you kind of, ex um, kind of explain to your business owner or your CEO or like a lead that, you know, these are the processes, these are the best processes that we, we, we actually need to use for us to 
to be able to what build a good I mean product for our users. And I think I'll start with Joe. Um, I I think it also goes back to it builds on the what we discussed previously about empathy. So mm -hmm. as designers, so product designers, we need to understand whom we're speaking with. So even the vocabulary and the language you're speaking, you need to understand what's valuable to say a product manager or um, some someone on the board of directors or the executive. So mm -hmm. these people are really focused on numbers, uh, quantitative data, metrics. They, they're really focused on uh, monthly recurring revenue and stuff like that. So how you present or let them know that, hey, um, this processes we're following is to help us meet the um, end goals or have this outcomes or this impact on our product and to make money. You, you need to be able to tie that in and um, also understand what they're really interested in to be able to explain that. So first steps would be try to understand what they're really perceive as value for them mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then um, what are the time constraints or the budget constraints around um, in the turnarounds in which they want to make profit or have profitability or impact with your product mm -hmm. and you also have to understand their concerns with design and then help ease those concerns so an instance would be at work um, someone, a developer came to me and said, hey, th th this is what um, the um, CEO is asking for. Mm -hmm. um, can it be done? I just need to quickly put a few interactive pages for me to explain this. Well, in the first place, it will be best if we all sat together and addressed what he wanted. Mm -hmm. rather than where he's asking for something referring to a developer and a developer coming to me i don't know at what point where information has been trickled down and it also creates this um concept or mindset that we're living still using a waterfall methodology that stains have been passed down yeah. from top to bottom yeah, yeah. <laughs> going the other way around so yeah it's so the first thing was i just for us to really sit down and listen and he can advise as a developer that these are his concerns and bring that back to the executive and then also i can also advise before we jump into building anything in the first place i would say first if you can get to speak their language and get mm -hmm. them to understand that these processes are necessary because they will help tying to the outcomes the C-suits are looking for, the executives are looking for, and you can clearly show that in a, maybe in a presentation deck or mm -hmm. something, and you can show how you going on from process A to process B to process C, this is how it's going to impact the, not just the business outcome, but also help your end users and also give them a, a a better experience and also how they perceive your products. Mm. I, I think they'll be willing to listen to you more. 
rather than just putting up um, nice screens and stuff. Well, so that's that's great. So Ben, what what, what would you um, what's your um, take on this one? Yeah, um, Joseph made some really good points. Uh, it leaves me with very little to work with. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yes, um, I think it's, 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 it's a very complex, um, position to be in. Mm. Um, I find myself having to, and I had to learn this the hard way. Um, sometimes when I walk into a company before I accept any job offer, uh, previously, I wouldn't really care about your structure and, um, whether you're practicing agile or waterfall and, what is the mm. dynamics within your team and stuff like that. I mean, once I'm comfortable with the uh, organization and the culture, I'm good. Mm-hmm. But then um, um, growing, um, I've come to realize that these things matter, right? And mm-hmm. yeah, these things matter. And um, what I've done is whenever I go into a company now, um, aside from asking these questions, I try to put in a process. Yeah. Um, what is the process coming in as a design person? I need to put in a process um, to make sure that certain steps are followed. So um, we have a design guide, a style guide. Um, what is the protocol for how feedback is communicated? Yeah. Um, do we run design sprints? How long do we run the design sprints for? And um, where do requirements come from? Stuff like that. You need to put in those processes. Um, and you also need to, like um, Joseph said, make a case for why you, they need to be design-centric or user-centric. Um, mm. You need to speak their language. Business people are all about um, um, our money and sales, right? So you need to speak their language. You need to make them understand why um, having going design-centric gives them an edge over their competition mm. or uh, 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 reduces the risk of a product failure. Or at the end of the day, um, any good design is supposed to make your customers feel happy, right? And happy yeah. customers in turn, um, 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 yeah, it means more money, sales, sales for, exactly. They'll stay and if they are paying subscriptions and you are charging for services, they'll be willing to pay more. So it comes down to just speaking their languages and making sure that um, you put in processes and you make sure your team follows that process. Yeah. All right, that's, yeah. that's really great. So guys, I mean, I really like. I really like to thank you guys for coming out today to join the show, and um, we 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 are going to have individual uh, what you call shows, you know, to dive deep into whatever you you, you get, which I mean, whatever industry you guys are really really I mean into for like our listeners to you know enjoy that part too. So, Joe Ben, thank you, thank you today. And um, and then like our listeners, yeah, Yeah. we will meet you guys next week. All right, guys, thank you very much. All right, thank you. Bye. 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 Cheers.